0: Something that God had promised Abraham over 500 years before. Yes, in Genesis 15, God told Abraham that his seed would be strangers in a foreign land and that one day he would bring them back into the land where Abraham was standing. And indeed, God, as always, was faithful to his promise. And so when you open the Bible to Exodus chapter 6, you will see that God is saying to Moses and through Moses, I'm going to bring the people out. They are my special people, and I'm going to bring them out to myself. I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to redeem them, and I'm going to bring them into the land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. And indeed, God set out to do that. So he instructed Moses to go from Midian back to the land of Egypt and unto Pharaoh and ask him to let the people go that they might might go into the wilderness to worship Him, to serve Him. It's interesting that the word worship and serve is the same, Old Testament or New. In other words, it has the same concept. God knew that the people had been in a strange land, For four hundred years. Not only had the Pharaoh been raised up who did not know Joseph, but the ways of the Lord had been forgotten evidently in the land of Egypt by his people. And so even though they had cried out to God and asked for deliverance, it was obvious when they got on the journey out that they really didn't know who God is, they didn't know who God was, and they didn't know how to approach him and how to worship him. That's what the adventure to Sinai and from Sinai was all about. And so God delivered his people with a strong and mighty arm in a way that they would never forget. And in chapter 12 of Exodus, he said, I want you to remember everything I'm doing on this special night when I'm going to pass through the land and I'm going to pass over your houses if a certain procedure is followed. And indeed, God laid that out in the book of Exodus, what that was to be. And we'll get there in just a moment. But before we do that, I want you to understand that there was a reason God had to take his people into the wilderness, into the desert, before he took them to the promised land. He had to prepare them to go into that land, and as you know, they were still not ready when they said they were, and God had to lead them into the wilderness by their own choosing for 40 years. And during that 40 years, they strayed even more from God, so much so that they did not even keep the basic rite of circumcision, which was the sign, the symbol, the token, that indeed they were the special people of God. They didn't even keep the Passover during the 40 years. As you read the scriptures, you'll see that when they got into the land of promise, when they had crossed over the Jordan miraculously under Joshua's leadership, because Moses died, even after the book of Deuteronomy and the summary of the law, the first thing they had to do was circumcise all the men. As a matter of fact, it was called Gilgal after that, the place of the rolling away. And then they kept the Passover. Now think about this, how easy it is for all of us, not just ancient Israel, but all of us to stray from what we know to do. And so God said that he wanted them to keep a memorial down through the centuries so that they could remember what God had done. And I'm so glad that he gave that to them. So part of that was remembering how he delivered them with a strong arm. You see, God wanted it to be a miraculous thing so that they wouldn't think that this was just Moses and Aaron and their ability to persuade and convince Pharaoh, they needed to know that it wasn't just Pharaoh's generosity. And so God hardened his heart. You say, wait just a minute, did God harden his heart? That's what the Bible says. You say, well, I don't understand that. That's not fair. I would watch out about calling God not fair because you see, he is the only just one, the only righteous one. You and I are the perverted ones. So be careful about doing that. You say, well, the lost won't understand. Well, the lost will never understand till they're saved the goodness and mercy and graciousness of God. It's about time we stop catering to the lost and we start being more concerned about what God thinks than what the lost is. Let me just say parenthetically to many of you pastors out there, some of you have been more concerned about how to make the lost feel comfortable than you are God feeling comfortable in our churches because we in our effort to try to win the lost because we feel like that's the number one thing on earth that God put us here to do, wrong, it's not. The number one thing has always been to teach our people to love the Lord our God with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, with the totality of our being. And the second thing is to love other people in the way that God has loved us. And all I'm saying to you is, yes, it's important to win the lost, but the most important thing in all of life is not to win the lost, it's to love God with everything that's within us. Then winning the lost will become much more of an easy task when we love them as we love ourselves and as God has loved us. Now, back to the text. When you come to chapter 7, God has hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and his own heart is hardened. Sometimes people will say, well, oh, you know, did he harden his heart, and then God let that happen, or did God harden his heart? The Bible says that God hardened his heart, and that he was ready to be hardened because he didn't fight it. It was his own wickedness. It was his own heart. It was his own responsibility. It was his own choice. And I don't understand all about that, but I do know this much. When the Bible says something, God means what he says. And Pharaoh's heart was hard. It was hard from the beginning. And God let that hardening process take its course and its final end. And so the scripture says that God was going to show that Pharaoh did not want to let the people go, no matter what God did in the early days. And so you have the story of Aaron and his rod turning into a serpent. The magicians, they did the same thing. You see, the demons have power as well. But what happened? The rod of Aaron ate up the rod that had become serpent's Of all of the magicians of Egypt. And so that got their attention, but that wasn't enough. And so there was the miracle of blood. That's in chapter seven. When you keep turning the pages and chapter eight is the plague of frogs. Then the third plague, the plague of lice, the fourth plague, the plague of flies. And then the fifth Plague in chapter 9. Remember, there were no chapter verse divisions in the original text. You have the fifth plague, the livestock was diseased. The sixth plague, the boils. The seventh plague, the hail. And God is working with Pharaoh, working with Moses, saying, Let my people go that they can come worship me in the wilderness. In chapter 10, the eighth plague of locusts, then the plague of darkness. As the ninth plague, and then in chapter 11, the death of the firstborn was announced. And the reason that I read through those is because part of Passover that God wanted them to remember was how he brought them out with a strong and mighty arm. And so when we get to the Haggadah or the order of service at a a Passover Seder, we're going to see that indeed the Jews commemorate this in a... very sure and certain way so that the children will never forget and they will from very early learn what those 10 plagues were and the order in which they were that God had purpose in this then they will talk about the last one so there is a purpose in every one of these plagues and so part of the passover was to memorize and learn and begin to understand these plagues and these miracles that God did that hardened Pharaoh's heart and that God ultimately announced the death of the firstborn. And in chapter 12, we have the Passover instituted. And so all of this is commemorated in the Passover. If you come to this Passover on April the 2nd in Kingsport, we're going to go through this just like Jesus would have from his childhood. He was taught this by his own parents as he grew in the fullness of wisdom, and he learned what all of these things were about. You say, well, he's God. He knew that. Yes, but the Bible says that he grew up and he gained favor with God and with men. That is, he grew and matured, and he learned these things as a child and learned obedience and as he did... God began to get him ready for what he would do on that last Passover with his disciples that he ate before his death. And so all of that is acted out. And we will do that when we come together for the great Passover meal, the time when we will meet with God on that appointed time together on April the 2nd. And so all of this is just part of the Passover meal. And then there was The recounting of what took place in the meal and everything, what every element what the lamb's purpose was, what the bitter herb was about, what the matzah, the unleavened bread, what it was all about. All of this is explained, every element, because when you act this out and you eat this and you participate in it, you begin to understand what God did then because God never wanted the people to forget this great event of his miraculous intervention In their lives and in the nation. And it was in this event that God formed formally, officially, the nation of Israel. And that miracle has sustained down through the centuries the people of God called Israel. And isn't it amazing... That it was in that event of calling them from a strange land back to their homeland, the promised land, that God prepared them for the day that in our lifetime, many who will hear this podcast, when in 1948, God brought them again from strange lands back into their homeland. And once again, the great miracle of his faithfulness took place when the nation of Israel became a nation again for the first time time in 2000 years in its own homeland in the land that God promised to Abraham 500 years before the Exodus. And so all I'm saying to you is in the days ahead, as we walk through this Exodus and we see how the Jews down through the centuries have taught their children and passed it on to another generation, the next generation, it is instructive for us because Christ. Christianity is dying out in America. The population is far outstripping us. One of the reasons for that, maybe the primary reason is because we have not taught our children to love God. We have not taught them to not think as the world. No, we've become so much a part of the world that you cannot tell what the church does on Sunday morning from what the world does on Sunday morning. And you can't tell any difference in the way that we act in our schools and our our places of work and among our neighbors than anyone else who doesn't even know God. And so it is instructive for us to learn how the Jews down through the centuries have kept their children remembering that the God who made the heaven and the earth, and they remember that every week, He is the one that is the rescuer, the redeemer, the deliverer. For on the way, this is Tony Crisp.